It's always interesting um, when people change how they interact with me when they find out that I'm a pastor. Um, this happens all the time. I think it just comes with the territory. Uh, there are a variety of responses when I talk to people in casual settings and wherein, you know, into the conversation, they just find out that I'm a pastor. In general, I feel like I'm pretty easygoing uh, when I talk with people, when I either when I meet them on the street or um, if I you know, meet parents at one of my kids' games or some school event. And I always try to make people feel comfortable uh, to, to be themselves when they chat with me. So whether they swear or not, you know, or, or if they swear every other word, it really doesn't bother me. We're just talking to get to know each other. But when someone finds out in that conversation that I'm a pastor, I always see the change most when I talk to people that come from conservative church backgrounds. The eyebrows go up, and they have that, oh, that's what you do kind of face. <laughs> and then often they start apologizing if they swear or if they're talking or say something bad about someone, they always somehow start apologizing to me. Uh, it's always interesting to see that change happen. Again, I'm totally not bothered by the swearing, nor would I ever impose someone to change uh, the way they talk to me because I'm a pastor, but it just, it just happens. This is what happens in my day-to-day -day conversations with people when, it, when, when that conversation comes up. You know, people have come from these conservative backgrounds, they're, and they are usually, you know, raised to not have bad language or to have not have bad behavior uh, when they're in front of a pastor. And so when they are ignorant of who I am, they seem to just be themselves, which is great. <laughs> but when they find out who I am, it changes. It just changes. But these are the dynamics of ignorance when it comes to conversations. Maybe you talked casually to someone that you didn't know was famous or prestigious, and only to find out, man, that was somebody important, you know? And then suddenly, you know, your posture changes, uh, and you become more wide-eyed, and you become more intentional in the way that you're talking to them, because like, boy, I'm talking to a CEO. I didn't even know it, you know? And then suddenly you just change the, the way that you talk. But it only changes if you happen to find out who they are, who they really are. You know, these are some of the dynamics that existed around the cross on this Good Friday just over 2,000 years ago. In the time of Jesus, when he was here on earth, uh, people found out who he is, that he had the authority of God, that he delivered people that needed help and healing, that he is the promised Messiah, the deliverer of Israel that is talked about throughout the Old Testament. But instead of changing and becoming more wide-eyed and in awe of this promised Messiah that had arrived, their posture changed to become angry and full of hatred. The fact is that at that time, uh, the people didn't want to believe what Jesus said was of himself was true, and so they treated him as if it wasn't. They were ignorant, but ignorant because they didn't want to believe the truth. So instead, they believed the lie and catered 
to their own, uh, a lie that catered to their own lives. And the people surrounding Jesus that day, that uh, when he was crucified, um, they all treated him in the way that they wanted to see him, as a criminal, as a leader of insurrection, as a possible threat to the Roman Empire. But the reality was that they just didn't want to believe who he said he is. They were ignorant and treated him with such ignorance just over 2,000 years ago. And though we can look at this moment in history and can easily just point the fingers of the utter uh, ignorance of all the people surrounding him back then, I think we too can approach Jesus in a similar way with some of the same er uh, ignorance, even as believers. Not believing the truth, but instead maybe believing half-truths, even lies, so that we can go about our lives in the way that we want. We too can approach Jesus with the same ignorance. Yet, what we're reminded of on this Good Friday is that whatever way we or the world believes about Jesus or whatever way we treat him, we see that Jesus forgives the ignorant. He forgives the ignorant. And we'll reflect upon two things this evening of Good Friday. I'm going to reflect on the people and the prayer. Two things, the people and the prayer. And hopefully as we reflect on this scene uh, that happened, we will allow Christ's forgiveness to reach us uh, and affect us anew. So first, the people and ignorant people that we see here. You know, outside of the criminals that we read here that were crucified with Jesus, there were three groups of people that were surrounding Jesus that night. And as Jesus put it, they know not what they do. Three groups that are ignorant in the way that they treat Jesus. And the first group here are the rulers. These are the religious leaders of that time. The Pharisees, the scribes, the chief priests. Verse 35, it says, the rulers scoffed at him saying, he saved others, let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The words that they're saying to Jesus are actually full of truth, right? Their sarcasm, though, is what really puts their ignorance on display. He did save others. He performed miracles. He, he delivered people from sickness and pain. He could actually very well, technically, save himself, but at this moment, he's choosing to obey the will of the Father in order that others can be saved. He is the Christ. He is the Son of... Uh, he is the Chosen One. These are the things these rulers, these religious leaders are saying to Jesus. All of it is true, but these religious leaders so ignorant that they use these truths to mock Jesus. The religious leaders are the ones who are supposed to be the ones that are guiding and helping people pursue God to live out God's purposes in their lives. You know, when these leaders first encountered Jesus, um, they should have seen a man that was helping, that, was, that saved and delivered people from their from their hurt, from their pain, from their sickness, 
They should have seen a person who was loving others. They should have seen a person that embodied the goodness and authority of God in his life. But instead, they saw a person that was a threat to their own power and position in their community. They ignored the signs and they chose themselves, so much so that they believed the lives they told themselves in their head and made sure that this crucifixion happened to Jesus. You know, I think we too can fall into that same ignorance. We make it about us as leaders. We talk or teach about Jesus at it, where it actually instead benefits us and we fail to be guides and examples of what it means to follow the purposes of God as we embody and live out God's beautiful character through our lives. You know, those of us who consider um, ourselves religious leaders, whether you are a pastor or elder or a lay leader in the church, you know, we would probably never outright scoff or mock Jesus, but our lives, if we think about it, they don't necessarily show that we're following him. Leaders today can mock Jesus by saying that what is by saying what's true in their mouths, but just like these rulers, our lives can say otherwise. We call Jesus Lord, but living as if we are Lord and making a mockery of Jesus. Around the cross, we see ignorant rulers, these religious leaders that do not know what they do. The second group that is around the cross are the soldiers. Verse 36, the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine. The soldiers here, they're not religious leaders, but they're Roman Gentiles. They're charged to carry out the orders of the Roman governor, Pilate, to crucify Jesus. And here, you know, we read that they offered him wine, and it wasn't to quench Jesus' thirst out of kindness. It was actually to give him strength so that he can be tortured longer. It was, it was messing with his mind, right? Thinking that he needed, to, he needed something, but it only furthers the torture of dying on that cross. And these soldiers, you know, they didn't have any religious knowledge that the rulers did. They didn't know that Jesus claimed the same authority as Yahweh. All they knew was that Jesus was accused of being a king that would lead the people's loyalties away from Caesar. And any threat to Rome will be judged by Rome. They will know who the real authority is in this empire. So to see, for the soldiers, to see this supposed king, to go through all that torture only to be hung on a cross, this person was the threat to Rome? It was laughable to them. So they too join and mock Jesus as well. And in their ignorance, they say in verse 37, it says, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. Kings don't die like this. Men of power don't die humiliated, naked, and tortured. But these soldiers had no clue who they were talking to. They're just executing the orders of the governor and mocking 
this man that looks helpless, who is supposedly a king. And I would say the thing is that there are many people in the world like this, uh, just like these soldiers. They maybe wouldn't call themselves religious, but they hear about Jesus from various sources. Uh, they, they don't know him, but they know what other people say about him and just join in because it sounds ridiculous. Isn't that basically how social media works, right? <laughs> We're ignorant of the context of the people, but need to say something because offhand, when we look at it, it sounds ridiculous, right? That's kind of how social media works. A man who claims to be the son of God sounds like a cult leader. And look at all the wars that have happened because of people who claim to follow Jesus. Maybe some of you in this room know Jesus just as much as these soldiers. You, know, you don't know him necessarily through the scriptures here, but, and maybe you don't know him through the Old Testament history and how all of that, all of the history in the Old Testament and all the prophets point toward this very moment on the cross. But maybe you do know about him through what you hear, through, you know, just different voices or different comments that people make, and you come to your own decisions. You come up to, to make up your own comments about, uh, about Jesus based on what you hear. Around the cross, we see the ignorance of these soldiers, that they too do not know what they do. Some of us here in this room may have a similar ignorance about Jesus. The third and final group that we see around the cross are the people. The people, verse 35. And the people stood by watching. You know, while the rulers and soldiers mock Jesus, the people are there too, but they stand by watching. It's as though they're caught between being sympathetic with Jesus on one hand and their fear of Rome and their own religious leaders on the other. And so they're unable to do anything but watch Jesus on this night. They aren't neutral. They're not mourning for Jesus. They're curious to see the outcome of this mob's demand for Jesus' death. And when you think about it, watching doesn't seem all that bad, right? As the people, I mean, they aren't mocking Jesus like the soldiers or the, the rulers. But at the same time, they're not supportive or standing with Jesus. They are simply just curious at this moment. They want to see what happens, and they watch. You know, when I put myself into the shoes of people back then, as much as my position as a pastor puts me to think through the perspective of religious leaders, I realize I identify most with the people who are watching. In most things in life, for me personally, I, I tend to watch. I'm a, I'm a people watcher. I'm an observer from the sidelines. I mean, some people get, oh, you, are you a creep? No, no, I'm not a creep. I just, you know, I, I people, you know, there's people that just people watch. You just observe. And um, I realize that's the type of person that I am. Um, and I realize as well that I've also often been too afraid to take an objective stance on anything because I'm caught between sympathy on one hand, but as well as fear of what others may perceive 
perceive of me if I do take a stand on the other. And I would argue that many believers today are people that stand by. They watch. They're watching Jesus. You know, watchers don't actively support Jesus and the things that grieve his heart, but they're simply curious about the outcomes. So they watch. They read social media. They watch YouTube clips and learn. Maybe that's as active as we get. But to actively care with our lives, to engage with people and to love others in the name of Jesus, I don't know if, I, if that's what Christians do these days. Watchers, are, watchers, too, are ignorant. But in many ways today, it's something that we actually choose to do. We only obey some of the things that Jesus says, but to carry our cross and follow him, we don't let that sit with us and change us toward any kind of action. And so we just go about our lives, and in many ways, we just watch. These are the people that we see around the cross 2,000 years ago, and they all act in ignorance of who Jesus truly is. And today, I think there are similar people that find themselves around the cross, even here tonight. Religious leaders that care more about themselves than leading people to follow God. Soldiers, people that have perceptions of Jesus and simply treat Jesus based on those perceptions and understandings that they hear. And the watchers, they're sympathetic to Jesus, even claim to believe him, but won't act because of fear of what others might think. So they watch. All of them are in some form ignorant. They do not know what they do. And I would say we all fall into one of these categories in some shape or form. Yet, despite their ignorance, the disrespect, the dishonor, the evil that was shown to Jesus that night, he had a prayer for them. And it's a prayer that echoes to us today. He says in verse 34, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive their ignorance because they don't know or believe who I am and their actions. They, they just don't know what they're doing. Jesus prays for them. He intercedes for them. He doesn't curse them for all the things that they're doing to him, but instead he offers intercession that God the Father would forgive them as if he knows how lost these people are that are around him. As Jesus is experiencing the evil within humanity, both personally and systemically, the religious and governing authorities collaborating to torture and mock an innocent person who did no wrong, as people merely watch and spectate, he pleads with God, forgive them. Forgive them. Father, forgive them. They just don't know who I am and they don't know what they're doing. We see from this prayer Christ's love for all the ignorant people around him as he's dying on 
that cross 2,000 years ago. And tonight, I think it's something that we need to reflect about in our own lives. Do we not know what we do as well when it comes to Jesus? Are we being ignorant of who Jesus is? Are we mocking him with our lives right now and how we're living? Are we just watching from afar, not taking any action that he is Lord over our lives and what he calls us to do, to care for the hurt, to care for the marginalized? share about the hope and healing that is found in the gospel because the good news that we received has healed and helped our life, saved our lives. I'd say many of us here may, may not, you know, do not know what we do. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus prayed for us that God the Father would forgive us. But not only did he just pray this prayer of forgiveness for us. On the cross, he provided forgiveness to those who would believe that he indeed is the Christ, the chosen one. That he is the son of God. That he did die for sins that we commit in our ignorance. Even the ones that we've committed in full knowledge of knowing who he is. Brothers and sisters, Jesus died to forgive us. His love for us is so deep that he died to forgive, even when we, as it says in Romans, while we were still sinners, he died for us. In our ignorance, in not knowing what we do, he died for us. And tonight, let's be reminded of this forgiving love that he has for us. Let's reflect on the ways that we've been maybe ignorant toward Jesus over this past year. And let's name them tonight as we take communion. Jesus, I've been mocking you, saying that I believe in you, that you are my Lord, but I have a secret life. I have an addiction. I am a liar. I live like I don't care what you think, so I do what I please. Jesus, I've simply just gone with the flow of what people say, like, like the soldiers in this passage. But actually, I don't go to you. I don't get to know you, who you are through the scriptures. I simply just listen and respond. Jesus, I watch you from afar, but my life shows nothing that I actually follow you. Let's confess this ignorance tonight and then allow his forgiveness that he not only uh, prayed for, but provided for us on that cross to breathe life into us this evening. Brothers and sisters, we, we have an evening to reflect on this cross. We have time to create a space for the spirit to work in our hearts, to show us what exactly have we been ignorant about Jesus and how we live and what we say, what we claim to say and believe, yet our lives might say something else. We have this evening to think about that and remember, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. 
And he provides us that forgiveness through his death that we remember and are thankful for because through his death, we have life. We have hope. That as we look forward to Sunday, that hope of resurrection and and life from the Spirit will fuel us not to live in ignorance, but to live out of truth of who we say Jesus is. But tonight, let's reflect on our hearts and ask the Lord to search us. Lord, have I, am I a religious leader? Am I, a, am I acting like a religious leader? Am I acting like a soldier? Am I just watching you? Where am I falling these days in my life? And let's come to him and remember his prayer and his provision for our forgiveness. Let's pray to the Lord. Father, we come to you and we invite you. We invite your spirit to search us this evening on this Good Friday as we reflect on the cross and your son and what he did for us. And even in this passage, what he prayed for us. That we be forgiven because we know not what we do. Father, we... We look at our life and it's so all over the place. We believe and, and we do and it contradicts and but we believe it's Jesus, you knew. You knew that we needed help. And you knew that the answer was to be forgiven. Be forgiven for this nature that we have in us to disobey, to treat you in ways that you don't deserve. You are worthy, yet we treat you with our lives like you're not. Lord, we need your forgiveness. Guide us this evening to name the things that we need your forgiveness for. Maybe ways that we've been ignorant over these past years, these past years. Holy Spirit, guide us tonight especially as we take communion. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.